0: hello and welcome to the stoked, the stoked on spokes podcast the stoked on spokes podcast the stoked on spokes podcast
1: the stoked
0: on spokes podcast wait like sos well it's about fight Ride, gear, races community and so much more my name is Curtis White
1: my name is Maggie Lee Rochette my name is
0: Stephen Hyde I'm Caroline Mays I'm Dave Jack.
1: I am Anna McGeeley
0: this is the stoked on spokes podcast let's get rolling Hello and welcome to the seventy-second episode of the Stoked on Spokes podcast. Today I'm joined by Ashley Hendershot and Anthony Bunt. How are you doing today?
1: We're good. Yeah, doing great.
0: Well,
2: some of us are better than others. So
1: <laughs> Yeah, a little, a little beat up today. We kind of had a big crash on Saturday, so <laughs> Oh wow. A little, but yeah. I'm good.
2: <laughs> yeah, Ashley took a pretty good off on the bike uh at Mohican, so Yeah, I'm just sore from riding. She's sore from crashing, but yeah, we're both good.
0: Can you guys please introduce yourself and give me your bicycle background?
2: (laughs) All right. Well, my name's Anthony. Most of my friends call me Tony. I am a bike shop owner now for six years, approximately, and I started in the bike industry in about 2000. And I got to do math. About 2006, I believe, is when I started working in the bike industry. I was in graduate school going back to school for a master's in education and I decided to work in a bike shop to kind of help pay for that and get a part-time job while I was doing classes and I, I almost kind of just kept going with the whole bike shop world and I decided I better use my degree a little bit for a while so I taught for nine years but also Dabbled with helping friends with their shops and also um, doing repairs on the side for friends and, and family members so really been doing bikes now for quite a while and uh, bikes have always been part of my part of growing up i grew up in a really really small town and we rode everywhere and the old adage of you know you could tell where everyone was at based on where the bikes were in the front yard that, that was like That was the town I grew up in and so um, we we rode all over the place and then being a a runner in high school endurance sports definitely kind of stemmed from that and mountain biking was a big part of that so that's kind of how I got here.
1: I'm Ashley Hendershot. I'm the sales manager at Ashland Bike Company but I also run the Ashland Bike Project so kind of made bikes my life after teaching for nine years. I decided that Needed a career change and went full on bike shop life. So I got into mountain biking about two years ago now. My boyfriend at the time, which is now my husband, did a lot of biking. I did not. He actually deployed to Africa and I just got this wild hair that, hey, I'm going to learn how to bike so that when he gets back, um, I can just kind of surprise him and we can do this together. So my brother-in-law found me a used bike and I remember... I paid like $300 for a specialized pitch. And I just thought that was completely outrageous (laughs) that anyone would pay that amount of money for a bike. And I get this specialized pitch and one of my friends took me on my very first mountain bike ride in the woods. I had so much fun. I could not sit for probably a week. I did not know what padded shorts were at the time. After that, I did get some. And my second mountain bike ride ever, he made me do this thing called clipless. I had no idea what I was doing. He just told me I was going to be attached to my bike and it was going to make Hills a lot easier. I did not realize how hard it would be to get unclipped from your bike. So I fell over an obscene amount of times, couldn't get out of my bike, but I just had a blast. And just ever since then, I was completely hooked on mountain biking, just casually. I just biked all the time, as much as I could with my husband and just had a lot of fun. And then actually it was Tony. And a couple of the other guys that used to work here, they're hosting a race down at Vulture's Knob, which is a local trail to us. And they said, oh, you should enter, you should enter. And I'm like, no, I'm not a racer. Like confidence was not there. I knew I was slow. Like I was just like, no way am I racing. Well, they somehow convinced me to do it. And I was like, oh, okay. That was kind of fun then.
2: I need to interrupt you because I think it's important to note that she is extremely competitive. (laughs) So it wasn't really that hard to convince her to do a race, but anyway.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So that was literally the only mountain bike race I'd ever done.
2: How did you two first meet? We first opened Ashland bike company in 2017 and Aaron and Ashley came into the shop were customers of ours. And then we changed locations in 2018 and Ashley actually bought the first bike out of the new location was a specialized stump jumper. You know, I still have the picture from the first <laughs> sale in the new location, um, but it really just started as customer. And, you know, over the years, Ashley and Aaron have been, you know, customers and actually were probably our best customers. And so <laughs> we, ironically hired our best customer to work for us here, which is how she got started at Ashland Bike Company, was knowing her from racing and from coming into the shop all the time. And, you know, just kind of knowing how hard teaching is. We both came from the world of education, which is, you know, one of our similar, one of the many similar parts about this duo right here. (laughs) That's how we met. And the funny thing is, like, we didn't realize, like, how much we are very much the same. Like, we have so many similarities. It's kind of scary. So it kind of feels like I have a sibling now that works for me. She's kind of our uh, annoying little sister and also the mom. So it's kind of a, a unique mix with her here at the bike shop. But great person to have on on staff and, and um, really great to have that friendship anything to add
1: Nope. he got it (laughs) he hogged it
2: (laughs) yeah well it started very much like just hey can you
1: buy me a bike
2: (laughs) can you come fix my bike all the time and and then you know honestly you know one of the big goals i have is just to get more women and more kids involved with the sport of mountain biking so i really kind of reached out to ashley as uh, an ambassador for the bike shop first. But, you know, again, throughout the years, we've just realized, like, how, how good of a pair we are with, you know, handling different things with the bike shop and with the um, nonprofit.
0: Is mountain biking basically your two big, Your both of your big passions, son?
1: Like you said, I was a teacher for nine years, and I just, I love working with kids. That's a big thing. Like, I love working with kids, and I do love teaching, and but the just being a teacher in the environment that I was was just kind of like sucking the joy out of me and it was just it was so much work and so much stress and it just got to the point where it wasn't fun anymore and then he approached me with this opportunity to come do the nonprofit and do the bike shop and you know I already loved mountain biking that you know that part had already grown in me a lot and we had started a kids team and I was helping with that. And then, you know, he gave me this opportunity to really just go all in. And I mean, it was just a true blessing because it it's just really just giving me that joy because I I love kids. And then to be able to share my passion with them to get them excited about mountain biking, to be called coach Ash, you know, that, that's an amazing opportunity and just been amazing.
2: I think number one, our passion is to just love people and serve people. Mountain biking is like a tool for that. You know, we love to ride mountain bikes. You know, we also want to reach people and help them in their life. I think mountain biking is a great way to do that, great way to, you know, build relationships and build self confidence and help with all kinds of different things like. Uh, mental health and addictions and ADD, which is something that I struggle with. So, you know, from that perspective, you know, mountain biking is a passion, but it's it's also a tool to, you know, really reach people and help people. And so that was another way, you know, Ashley and I connected uh, in friendship and in partnership here in the bike shop because, you know, she has that same desire to help people she has those mama bear instincts, too, when it comes to kids. And so we really gel very well together as a team. Can just, you know, thrive in that environment with each other, working together. So you you, you keep coming back to the bike shop. What's the Ashland Bike Shop mean mm-hmm.
0: to your community? What kind of people do you serve? You said it was started in 2017. Tell
2: me more about the bike shop. Well, I'm interested in what you have to say about the bike shop. Because <laughs> I talk about it a lot. So
1: yeah. Well, I mean, just even from a customer standpoint to then working at the bike shop, what kind of got me and my husband, Aaron, like to the bike shop to really hone in on Ashland Bike Company, you know, just as customers was that, you know, Tony. And then at the time we had Troy and Quinn, I think Mm -hmm. were here and they were just so willing to help. When I was buying my first mountain bike, we came in with this thought of what we thought we needed. And, you know, they, they work through that with me and they, you know, explain to me why, you know, this might not be the best route, but we could do this. And just their kind of willingness to kind of get me going down the right path when I thought we needed one thing, but really we just needed something else with just like sizing and shoes and, you know, just the whole experience. That willingness to just kind of go above and beyond and just my buying experiences was really what brought us back. And then just being on the other side of the counter now, you know i try to anybody that walks in here like i i want to help them like yes i'm a salesperson and we want to make money but first and foremost i want to make sure that they find the joy in biking and that i find the joy in biking because we get a lot of people who may have never rode before and they have an idea of what they want and then just have that conversation with them to help them find the right thing so that they love biking too and i try to always tell that to our customers like You know, I want to make sure you're comfortable. I want to make sure Mm -hmm. your fit's right, because if you're not comfortable and you're not fitted right on this bike, then it's not the bike for you. You know, we may not have what they, you know, necessarily need or want, but, you know, we'll show them the options we do have. And I mean, even if they don't buy something from us or if we don't have exactly what they need, you know, we try to help them find, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, you know, whether it's coming from a neighboring bike shop or from somewhere online. Like we just, we, you know, we just want to help them. And I think that goes a long way with people. I love to help people and to help them through bikes, whether they're getting it from the store or not, you know, that, I think that goes a long way with
2: people. And one of the things I find myself frequently saying to customers is that even if you don't buy a bike here, please like take what I'm saying and and use it to get what you need because. We really want, we, we genuinely want people to, you know, have their needs met when they come in here. And sometimes that that's not the bike. We don't have the bike or we don't have the gear, or the accessory that they need or want. And so I often find myself saying, Hey, like, even if you don't like e-bikes have been a big hot topic in the bike shop lately tell customers frequently, even if you don't buy an e-bike from us, please don't go buy one from, you know, Joe internet site that has them for, you know, $5.99, you know, gonna catch your house on fire type thing. So, you know, we're, we're trying to convey a message of being genuine and actually like really caring about the customers that come in here. Part of the thing that we've found is that we can't do all of that through the scope of the bike shop. And so in 2018, I brought together a few people from the community and we started something called the Ashland Bike Project. And it is a separate business entity. Uh, It's a nonprofit, 501c3. And the goal of that is to hit the things that as a, as a company, as a for-profit business, we can't help people in certain ways we can't receive grants we can't do certain things that we want to do for our community so through the bike project we can and that is a big part of why we brought ashley on board is because i was trying to do the bike shop and the bike project that really just was not possible so we brought in ashley to to do that so I mean, that's been a huge amount of work for her, but we've been able to see some great things happen through that. What does the bike project serve? What what does it do more that the,
0: the current shop can't accommodate?
1: Yeah, so the Ashland Bike Project, we want to provide infrastructure. So we want to give people more access to, you know, bike trails and just different things to help get, more people on bike we want to provide programs so we've created some programs to help get more kids on bikes we're really youth concentrated right now but we're working on growing that so that we can get into adult programming we created team wild which is our summer youth program and we take all ages so last year like our youngest was two on a strider and we go all the way up to high school so we really just want to help all kids just find that enjoyment in bikes but also just give them a different opportunity outside of a typical sport so you know not everyone wants to play football or soccer or just those typical sports so that was kind of where this came from was like oh we can give them a different kind of opportunity to you know get outside get on a bike because i mean these kids just love to ride it's so Mm -hmm. funny I personally was driving my son to Columbus for a bike team and I looked at Tony and I'm like why can't we do this like why can't we do this in Ashland and really bring this opportunity to Ashland County and just anyone who wants to join and so from there we just kind of Rick Armstrong out of Columbus he helped me just kind of you know learn the ins and outs of what he did and then we just kind of modeled our program after what he was doing because they were having amazing success outside of Columbus so you know we just kind of started we only had maybe 25 30 kids the first year um, and then we're in year four and we're looking at probably having a hundred kids so it is just it is blown up and you know I have some amazing volunteers you know all friends of the bike shop some of them have kids that join the program some of them are just some riders that come in and just they just want to help and mm-hmm. you know they have that same passion for bikes and you know we we really couldn't do it without them because when you're looking at last year we had 65 kids at one time and i mean it's just organized chaos and <laughs> to have the amount of volunteers that we have to go in with that has really helped make that program successful and then we take The kids from that program, as they age up, we started NICA, we're going into our third year. So our third season, you know, those kids are just rolling into that NICA team. It's really helped our NICA program grow. And then we've actually, last year, we're able to get one of the NICA races at one of our home trails at freer field in ashland so everyone just kind of from the community could just come and see you know what's this NICA thing what are what do they keep talking about with this mountain bike racing and you know a lot of the community members were there just watching and they're just they're just in awe you know of what these kids can do and just how NICA brings them all together and this other opportunity that they can have and Just having that here last year has, you know, stemmed a lot of questions. We get a lot of people coming in like, well, what was that thing they did at Freer? And, you know, it's really helped us just continue to grow that program and just even into our NICA team. You know, our NICA kids are, we may be small, but just their excitement for bikes is just, Mm -hmm. it's so, I don't know, it's just so thrilling and they just wanna learn. I, you know, I went into NICA with one idea of how our practices were gonna go and they just completely flipped it. They're like, no, Coach Ash, we want to work out. So they want some type of endurance riding or sprint work or starting. And then, you know, we want to work on skills. And, you know, I think they would practice for five hours a day if we could do it. (laughs) They are just so stoked to be on bikes and.
0: Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner.
1: This year they they actually wanted to jump in on some of these newer series like the Nom series which I think that you did a podcast with like they're so excited about that. They want to extend, you know, their race season and this past weekend we got them all to go to the Ohio Mountain Bike Championship race and one of our high school kids did the full 26 mile loop. He's never done that long of a race before and I mean he tackled it, and it was just awesome just to see that excitement. And, you know, when he crossed that finish line, uh, he was feeling it, but, you know, he, he did it. He finished, and it's just been amazing to just lead those kids through that, to really show them what they can do with bikes. And that, that NICA team and that kids program has been really amazing. We do have school programs, too, so we'll take different bikes and things and talk about, like, safety and Um, Just, you know, helmet fit and then, you know, just how you check your bike. And then we play like some fun games with the kids and stuff. So, again, in the schools has been a lot of fun and just, you know, bring that awe to bikes, you know, back to some kids. And then we also try to provide bikes for kids who, you know, might not necessarily be able to afford a bike. So we started some programs up last year to kind of help kids get bikes. So they, you know, they may start with a 12 inch bike and then, you know, we have all the way up to a 26 inch bike. So they just trade it in each time they outgrow it. And essentially they have five bikes, you know, all throughout and that's been an awesome program just to be able to give kids, you know, that that opportunity. And then hopefully by the end of summer, we are be able to provide Ashland with uh, Brookside Mountain Bike Park. So we already have a pump track and then we have a small mountain bike trail out of our local park. And then we're working on uh, with the city building a skills area. So we're really going to bring them some more infrastructure to give them the access they need. So yeah, the Ashland bike project is definitely a lot of work, but you know, we've been able to provide a lot to our community, you know, through bikes, which is ultimately our goal.
2: (laughs) Yeah. The first thing that we did before it was actually a proper nonprofit business is we reached out through all the different channels that we had, friends of Ashland Bike Company and just friends in general. And we raised enough money to buy about 26 specialized uh, mountain bikes. They're like the entry level, I guess the model at that time was the specialized pitch. It's kind of like the rock hopper now. We reached out to a local elementary school and we, we donated those to kids who wrote essays about, you know, why they want a bike and worked with the teaching staff. At that school to give them those bikes and that was super cool but the thing we learned from that is that when we provided those bikes to those kids it didn't really meet all of their needs and it didn't give us the the time with the kids that we really wanted to help them as a rider as a person that was a big reason why we we started the nonprofit was so that we could continue to do things like that and so you know the bike project we're rebranding it as project wild but it is uh, designed to to meet three needs the first one is infrastructure for bikes which is our mountain bike trail and the bike mountain bike park that ashley mentioned and the second one is programs for kids Um, so that's our team wild program with the summer riding. And also the third thing is equipping kids to ride. And so that's our our Teen Wild Wheels program, is what we called it. And she mentioned that we're trying to get those bikes out to kids. And all of this is to, to help us meet the needs of this community, which is really struggling in a lot of ways with kids who are at risk. There's a lot of kids who are coming out of the foster system. There's a lot of kids who don't have much at all. There's uh, been a lot of uh, drug-related issues that have torn families apart in this community. They haven't found their home in the traditional sports uh, because of the cost or because of the commitment levels or you know they got in trouble or something, so they're not able to be on that team. And so this is just one other way that we can really help people. And we're doing it through what, we're passionate about. And that's really been the key, I think, because we're able to put a lot more into it than we would if we weren't passionate about it. You know, again, having having that same mindset, you know, throughout the whole program with Ashley and myself, it's been really awesome to see how the community has started to change. And we just see so many more kids on bikes now and that's really awesome to see the next step is getting them to wear helmets all the time <laughs> so yes that is okay. a challenge but we're working on that that's why we brought in fox so <laughs> cooler helmets they they want to wear them
0: i don't know if ashley knows this but i i'm starting a mountain bike series this summer um it's a short track but the idea is this all the profits are going to go to a kids team that the nonprofit i work with is hopefully starting next year mm-hmm. and they all have been asking you know like where Where's the money going to go? And, I, and and in all honesty, I told him, I said, it's probably a good thing just to wait and kind of see what the actual needs are of mm-hmm. our, a community instead of just throwing money at something that might not be that appreciated It might not yeah. be the best resource for that. So like you said, it's, it's finding out what the real needs are and where,
2: what will help the most. When we gave away those 26 mountain bikes in 2018, it was an awesome day. Um, there was a lot of really cool experiences on that day, and I, I don't regret that at all. But the thing that we saw after the fact was that some of those bikes ended up on Facebook Marketplace. Some of them were stolen. Some of them just were destroyed, and we have slowly seen them come through the shop here and there. But you know the, the biggest thing that we learned from that is that just giving them the bike isn't going to meet their need we need to actually like get them riding and teaching them some life skills and and connecting with them helping them realize that like this isn't just like you're not stuck in this environment like you can take your bike and you can ride somewhere with it and you can go experience different things in different places and just get that self-confidence to do that has been has been really huge yeah we work with a, another guy who does a lot of work with at-risk kids. He's a pastor and he's been with us on some things and it's been really really cool with some of those kids he's brought in to see how you know they they start to master the trail that we built out at Brookside West and their confidence goes up and they start you know just coming through as a human A lot better you know like they're able to to handle a lot more because they have that confidence and they have the they realize that someone cares about them enough to like help them get a bike and ride with them and teach them things pretty emotional about that because it's such a it's such a deep need in this
0: community yeah that was my big thing with starting to do something in my area was There was nothing. I mean, we have a humongous road scene in my area, but we have nothing mountain bike based whatsoever. And it's really sad because we have such a beautiful scenery, such a beautiful area. And Mm -hmm. I've worked with parks. I've been in an event promotion before when I used to live in Columbus, Ohio. But the biggest thing I noticed was that people rode mountain bikes. We don't have many trails in my area at all, but they didn't have a reason to be excited about it. It was like, it was just something they had
1: Um, after my husband's next deployment, he came back, he races the grand national cross country on a full wheeler. So we travel all the time for those. And we started his season in Georgia after his deployment, while we were there, they kept announcing this e-mountain bike thing. And I was just like, what is that? What is that? And so I convinced him after his race, I'm like, let's just hang out for like 10 minutes and figure out what this is and just watch. It was the first e-mountain bike race that they ever really did. So I was just watching and I'm like, oh my goodness, that looks like so much fun. Cause I'm like, we're already here anyways. Like, why can't I not try it? So in the car, on the way back from Georgia, I looked at my husband and I'm like, what would you think if I raced? Like if I raced electric mountain bikes, if I just tried it and he's like, looking at me and I'm, he's like, well, we don't like, we knew nothing about e-mountain bikes. We didn't really, like, we didn't know what it costs, nothing. And he's like, well, see what one would cost. So I just sent Tony a message thinking, like, in, like, a week, like, we might not have, like, a cost X minute. No, he gets back to us in five minutes. I was like,
2: first mistake. (laughs) Saying, hey, I think I want an e-mountain bike.
1: I was like, hey, what would an e-mountain bike cost? And he's like, well, I can get you a used demo bike for, I don't even know what it was. And I looked at my husband, and I was like, he can get me one. And he's like, and I can race it the next one. And he was like, oh, shoot, that was fast. <laughs> and he just, he's like, well, if you get this and we do this, he's like, you have to do the first season no matter if you love it or hate it. You have to at least finish the rest of the races. And then if you don't like it, we'll sell it and we never have to talk about it again. So we get it. I literally get it the day before we have to leave. Granted, I've never been on an e-mountain bike. I rode it around our yard, said, okay, this is cool. We loaded it up in the camper and then we went to South Carolina. So we pull it out of the camper, literally first time on it is my race. Oh my goodness, it was so funny. I started with the bike off because I didn't realize they timed out after 30 minutes. And I just could not figure out why this bike was not easier to pedal. And here my husband and Uh, two of our friends were screaming on the side of the race course, Turn the bike on, turn the bike on. (laughs) So I reached down, turned the bike on, and then it finally took off and was easier. Oh my goodness. I smacked so many trees. I fell over, like but I had just finished with this big smile on my face and I was like, Oh my goodness, that was so much fun. (laughs) so from there it's just kind of escalated after that you know first race i i finished that first season i won the national championship which was pretty cool and i mean that was just a self confidence booster for me because it's just when i looked at myself i didn't see a racer but like he said i'm super competitive (laughs) so i always just wanted to do the best and then it was just like from there i just kept going and it's funny because my husband thought it would be one season and done because he won his national championship with quads so he was like okay we can be done traveling for nationals and i'm like oh no i'm not done (laughs) and here we are five seasons later you know just having a i'm having a blast with it and you know i've had the opportunity to travel internationally two times now to race the world championships and you know it's just cool like the places bikes have taken me like the places I've got to see because I love to travel and you know that experience in itself has been awesome and so like e-bikes is just you know just added to my addiction I guess a little bit more of bikes <laughs> my husband tells me I have a bike problem but I tell him it could be worse I mean mm. it could be <laughs> but yeah so it's just kind of e-mountain bikes has just really ho- opened up this whole new world for me you know I, lo- I love still racing my regular bike absolutely 110 percent but e-bikes has just kind of been you know what's what's just kind of shot forward for me you know that's where my big goals lies uh you know within e-bikes
0: what's the differences between regular mountain bike racing and e-mountain bike racing
1: so just with like our grand national cross country series so we have about probably like a four mile course and we do laps for an hour roughly an hour Usually we're at like hour 10, hour 20. So it's really the most laps you can do. Um, and then when we race, we're racing class one pedal assist. So there's no throttle or anything on the bike. We still have to pedal the bike. Um, and we only have assistance up to 20 miles per hour. You can pedal past that 20 miles per hour, but most of the time you're within that range on that bike. Um, so we, we just do those laps for a little over an hour. Typically when I've raced you know, regular, my regular bike, or my analog bike, whatever you want to call it, I'm going for a distance. So, you know, I'm shooting, I'm just thinking of this past weekend's race, you know, it was 26 miles. um, Even, and I was racing on my e-bike, so I was going, you know, I had that 26 miles and then it was what my time was. So typically with the XC, you're going for a distance Um, when you get into the international level. So yeah, on the international level, when when I travel overseas, You're kind of back on a time, and this is on my e-bike, you're kind of back on the time, I think on, I believe on both, they kind of Mm -hmm. time that first lap and then they determine your amount of laps after that. And that race is typically under an hour. So past two years, it's been like 55 minutes. It's
2: It's a lot more like traditional World Cup mountain bike XC um, versus like in Ohio, at least cross country races are, done on trails and like the number of you know you have a certain distance Yeah, you know, i know in other places they kind of follow more of the world cup style where you have the lapped course but from what you know i've seen ashley racing the e-mountain bike stuff is a lot more difficult than one might think it's i would equate it more to like crit style racing in the road world where your heart rate is spiked like completely pegged the whole time. From my perspective, watching Ashley race and watching the course, you know, the seeing the courses and stuff. E-mount bike racing is something that I don't think most people who do normal bike racing have any idea how hard it is. You know, you have a different kind of stress on the body. So it's it's super anaerobic most of the time. And that includes the downhills because you're going so fast. The downhills are really short. You don't have as much time to recover. You know, you're pegging those watts as hard as you can because the more power you put into that e-bike, the more power it's going to respond with. That's that's how they're designed, at least now. You know, Ashley's doing, like, huge, like, interval sessions and FTP, trying to work on that FTP, and all the things you do in normal bike racing – uh, because the races are so intense for, you know, such a short period of time. I mean, an hour is, it's kind of a long period of time, but in the world of bike racing, it's a short race and it is, uh, you know, something that I think most people take for granted how hard it is.
1: Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah. We get people all the time. What do they call them? Cheater bikes. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're, you're cheating because you have a motor. It's like, no, I am Yes, I might be able to go a little faster than you and I can go, you know, a bigger distance a little bit faster than you. But I mean, I always tell, I'll show you my heart rate data. I'll show you like it's just as pegged and I'm getting just as much workout as I am on my regular bike. Mm -hmm. I can just go a little bit farther. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's a great training tool also, you know, even if I was just racing XC like I would still have an e-bike because on those recovery days, like I can go ride, I can work on skills, I can work under speed. You know, I'm not wrecked the next day. (laughs) Like the Mohican, you know, 26 mile loop that we have close to us, it'll completely like destroy you. And, you know, I can go run that loop on my e-bike, you know, work on those rock gardens and that technical downhill and you know, all those skills I need to under a little bit more speed. And then, you know, I'm still good to do my intervals the next day. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's fun to race, but it's also a really great training tool. And, you know, just the e-bike in general has made me so much better on my regular bike. Yeah. Like just my handling and being able to go a little bit faster on my XC bike, you know, has really done numbers just for my racing on it
0: i have a friend who said before that you know people gave, gave him crap when he got an e-bike but in a lot of ways an e-bike has allowed him to do more runs and gotten his downhill so much better yeah
2: mm-hmm. because absolutely. he can actually
0: concentrate on it and, and get way more experience within a day's worth of riding
1: oh yeah we have there's a park in Newark, ohio um called horns hill and it's a great like just practice place for technical skills and different things and Me and my husband can do so much more in a day, you know, on our e-bikes than if we were to take, you know, our stump jumpers or something down there to ride, you know, whether it's a shuttle day or just riding up, you know, having to climb the hill back up to come back down. It's like we can get so much work in, especially since, you know, it's a little bit farther drive for us. Um, We can definitely get so much more in on that e-bike, just having to, you know, do those sessions a little bit more. And I mean, we're still, again, we're still getting just as much work out as if, you know, we're mm-hmm. on a regular bike and just do a little bit more. So yeah, you're,
2: you're always, doing the same effort. Your speed is different, but you're doing the same effort.
1: I always love having those conversations with people mm-hmm. that, you know, just have that negative outlook. And I'm like, you know, nine times out of 10, they just, they just don't know. They think it's a dirt bike mm-hmm. and, you know, just getting them on one to experience it and just say, Oh, you still have to pedal this mm-hmm. thing. And holy cow, like, yeah, this still kicks my butt. And it's like, yeah, it's still a bicycle. You know, yeah, you're getting a little bit of assistance there, but yeah, it can still kick your butt and you can still peg that heart rate to get that workout in. So it's just fun just to educate people.
0: So in terms of racing, is there battery management based on how fast fast the assist is that you kind of think about and strategize about while you're racing?
1: So I have a specialized Turbo Levo. I have the bigger 700 watt hour battery. So for my national races, and then even for when I've gone over internationally, I can run full turbo, full assist the whole time. And I, I know I'll be fine on battery life. When I switch over to our local series, uh, the guy that runs it, uh, he likes to mess with your battery life, really give you that battery anxiety. <laughs> so that's been that's been a new, I guess, kind of thing for me like that, 26 mile Mohican loop which was where his first e-bike race was uh, I got part way through that race and I you know I was just like oh shoot I don't know if I'm gonna have enough battery because I had never done like a full out hard race pace lap and I'm like I don't know so luckily with my Levo you know I've got three different assistance modes so I can toggle the battery down while racing you know if I feel I need to you know to the middle mode trail or I can even go down to the eco mode which is probably like 30% assistance and I could even turn it off if I wanted to get real crazy so that definitely helps but for the most part for like my nationals and even just going internationally my having that bigger battery you know gets rid of that anxiety of oh no will I make it
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so I, I haven't had a problem in five years
2: but there has been races where she's been at and the course has been so muddy that a lot of Mm -hmm. people did have battery issues. You know, Ashley is a a female and she's fairly lightweight, very powerful for a female rider, but she is lighter than your average dude racing e-bikes at the GNCCs. And so there were a couple races, I think, last season where guys had issues with batteries dying during the race because the bikes were having to work so much harder in the mud and the riders were you know dealing with you know pedaling the the dead batteries through a a course that's filled with soupy mud so definitely being a lighter rider helps and keeping the bike lightweight and efficient has helped a lot and that's been my role with ashley's racing other than i train with her now and then or try to is I've really been working on the bike for her and trying to get it as efficient as possible so that, you know, she can race full tilt without any hesitation about the bike, making it. So, you know, her Levo is like the least stock Levo, I think you'll find short of most, you know, factory riders because we have analyzed every part of that bike to try to optimize it for, for racing in the style that she does. So everything from the suspension, you know, changing the travel on the bike to changing wheel sizes, tires, handlebar drop is a big problem because she's not super tall. So we have to try to get the bars a little lower on these bigger bikes so that she can maintain an efficient position while she's climbing and putting out tons of watts. So we really worked hard on all of those little details for her and for the most part the bike has done really really well considering how hard it gets pushed on a lot of these courses and i know that you know one of the big challenges with any bike discipline is the equipment and and mechanicals happen so we just really try to avoid that but you know it's it's really hard sometimes yeah so
1: sometimes it just happens
2: (laughs) i will say that ashley is probably the best equipment tester that you can find because she she just goes for it no matter what the conditions are and you know we have we have been through lots of durability tests with everything from the wheels we built for her to realizing that we had to switch from a boa shoe to a shoe with laces because the boas get either jammed up with mud or broken off so we now she now races with lace-up shoes versus boa shoes you know we've We've been through quite a bit. We actually uh, built her some really, really tough wheels. And the other day she was out riding and snapped the valve stem off of her wheels when a (laughs) stick jammed up and the wheel survived and the spokes didn't break, but the valve stem was sheared completely off of of the tubeless valve. So like we were doing a good job with the equipment. Ashley's definitely testing my abilities as a mechanic week in and week out.
1: Yep, so plug his mechanic skills. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah definitely I you know our the national series like the conditions we get put through like sometimes yeah I just can't believe <laughs> the mud Yeah. and it just never fails. Like I know they do, they work so hard and then it's like it just seems to never fail. The night before the race, we get this freak rainstorm yeah. and then it's just complete slop. Yeah. And oh is terrible
2: (laughs) yeah one of the big challenges is that the national series that she races in here in in the u.s is really tied in with the motorsports world um hand in hand and that's a good thing and a bad thing um the e-bikes are very well accepted in that environment because everybody's used to motorsports there so there's none of the like uh e-bike shaming that happens when you go to a normal mountain bike race and you're on your e-bike the challenge is that that the course designers and and the layout of the course tends to be something that is more generally found in the higher power, you know, combustion engine (laughs) motorized vehicles. And so she just has to deal with so much mud. Last year was crazy. You know, she had a a brand new like rainbow Sram Eagle cassette, you know, beautiful cassette. and in one race like it It was was so muddy like all of the beautiful rainbow coating on that was all worn off and it was just silver again (laughs) so we really struggle to keep the equipment working at its best um, in those environments you know i think she's done a pretty good job of of handling that
0: are there any industry trends right now that get you excited as a uh, bike shop owner and employee
2: i'm really excited that mountain bikes are getting more capable And lighter weight again. For a long time mountain bikes really were just focusing on getting lighter and lighter and lighter and they got to the point where they weren't very capable and now people are going kind of the opposite and they made like these really burly beefy bikes that can handle anything but are really hard to pedal and now they're coming back to the cross-country world and they're they're tweaking those bikes to make them more capable and fun and so I guess my favorite Bike on the market right now is is the Arc'teryx. I my mean, my favorite category is the down country segment, and really I think for Ohio at least that's like the perfect kind of mountain bike because you know our trails do have a lot of up and down. They're tight and twisty, and you need to be very nimble to to go fast, and, and going fast is a is a big part of it. It's really fun. So I'm um, having a bike that pedals very very well, but is still able to descend with a lot of confidence is is great. Right now, I'm on an intense Sniper XC is my, my main bike. I normally ran, run, a, you know, like a 180 front rotor and like a 160 on the back, pretty traditional cross-country setup with the brakes. And this weekend at Mohican in the race, I just completely smoked my rear rotor because I was descending so much faster than I used to um, on the newer you know geometry of you know more modern downcountry bikes so you know, it's time to upgrade to maybe like a bigger rotor in the back and maybe a little beefier tire so that I can you know keep up with the bikes abilities on the downhills and I know Ashley's really excited about the new sram transmission you want to talk about that because <laughs> she's she's really smitten with that so go ahead
1: yeah. So I was just going to say, like, I think we're seeing a shift, you know, towards e-bikes in the bike industry, you know, just, you know, working in the shop, a lot more people are coming in and asking more questions and, you know, really wanting to get that education behind e-bike. Yeah, just that e-bike shift, I think, is super exciting and Uh, just being able to just be part of that, just on the shop side with getting them that education and talking about the differences between, you know, the class one, the class three, the class two, you know, what is that, what's accepted on trails, what's not accepted on trails. And, you know, just being a very, very small part of that has been just awesome to kind of see that shift, just even in the past year. I think e-bikes are gonna be a huge seller for us this year, just with the amount of people that come in and just want that information. I absolutely love wireless. Um, shifting just in general I put it on one bike and tried it and just the reliability and the confidence behind it and just like the conditions I get thrown in and just like all just on my e-bike I've cannot I've never had a shifting problem with all the mud and yuck and everything that gets put on my bike, I've just, I've never had a shifting problem. And I'm like, I swear by it. My husband's always been oh, you don't need wireless, this wireless, that, and actually made him try it. He has been converted and he now sees why. (laughs) But then it's like, you know, SRAM comes out with this new transmission and, you know, I'm watching all the marketing and, and all this. And I'm like, you know, you could, I'm like, can it really get much better? So they've, you know, our reps visit our shop. They talk about it. You know, we ride it on one of the bikes. And I'm like, okay. So um, they're super nice to hook me up with, you know, a transmission set for my Specialized Epic. And, you know, as soon as we get it, that, you know, that new part excitement. And I'm like, okay, let's put it on. Let's put it on. Let's put it on. (laughs) So the minute it comes in the door, you know, my bike's in the stand. I'm ready to go. (laughs) I'm like, Tony, clear your schedule. We're putting this on. We put it on and you know i of course i want to go ride it that first day <laughs> but i didn't get to actually I had to wait a couple of days which was a bummer but i finally got to ride it and i was just like blown away that it could get better i, I my- want
2: to say too that you get really kind of pouty when you don't ride your bike <laughs> so you know she has this i will say her epic is beautiful it's the I don't know what color it is, but it's like the chameleon blue. It's a gorgeous bike. And so we put the new transmission on it and then it just sat here in the shop for like three days till she could go ride it. (laughs) And it was hilarious because she was so whiny, (laughs) but people were really coming in, checking it out. It was kind of fun because, you know, it's one of the first ones I think in the area that anybody has seen. So um, anyway, talk about the first ride because that was
1: yeah and it, it was just funny because like like it's been warm so the trails have been open they've finally dried and I just got a couple people like oh is that the new transmission and I'm like yeah it is and you know they see the excitement and they're like how is it and I'm like I don't know I'm gonna find out here in you know five minutes when I take off and so you know you take off and like I'm looking down at my bike and I'm like is it even shifting like it was so smooth on how it shifted and you know I tried to like push on the hills and like shift you know under that you know putting down all the power in the pedals and it just didn't miss a beat and I was just like wow like
2: we should mention too that Ashley is not sponsored by SRAM so well she's she did get a a shop pro deal from (laughs) SRAM she's not sponsored by them she bought her group set and so even though this seems like we are. We are plugging SRAM on this thing. This is all just out of the sheer excitement for the quality of the components there. Yeah, we've had a lot of fun playing with that new transmission over the last you know, yeah. week or so.
1: Yeah, and I—I I mean, I'm just completely blown away. with, you know, it, it did get better because I mean, I my axis was already good, but that transmission, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just I'm excited about the wireless trend in general. After just riding it myself, very blessed to be able to get a set and put it on you know my epic and really like see what it's all about and you know that it was just wow it was really cool so i i'm super stoked on you know not only the e-bike shift but then just the wireless shift in general you know as people are building bikes and bike parts and stuff you know i'm a true advocate for the wireless
2: i think you know we talked earlier about how Ashley's such a good product tester because she's so hard on everything, and I mean, we're not exaggerating when we talk about the mud and everything that they were dealing with. That some of these e-bike races, um, the fact that she never had a mechanical as a result of any kind of shifting—it was, you know, maybe a a crash or something that that slowed her down, or you know, we had was the one thing a couple years ago you had a fork-related issue or the fork wasn't compressing properly, like you know certain things have been really solid and and so yeah i think that's another thing i'm excited about is that bikes are becoming a little bit more durable again you know the one by system has made them much more reliable you don't deal with chain drops and chain suck issues i i don't know if you were riding with the old uh, nine speed triples but i remember racing on those in <laughs> 2000 and 2006 and you know, if you didn't keep your chain properly maintained, you had like this whole phenomenon of chain suck where the chain would like stick to this rocket as you were pedaling around and it would just get jammed up on the chain stay and, and then you'd have to stop and like unjam everything and now with with the durability of bikes and in general just getting better and better, it's it's a lot more fun. You know, it's it's safer. Bikes are a lot safer now, I think, with the new geometry. You're not me. Unless you're Ashley. But
1: <laughs> I tend to crash a lot.
2: Her nickname today is Lefty, so she's got a huge bruise on her left hand after this weekend. It happens. Uh, but in general, like, that's pretty exciting because, again, we're trying to get kids involved with this. So now they're on bikes that are a little safer. And they have disc brakes on every bike now, which is not something I had when I started, You know, 29-inch wheels again, safer, not getting an endo over the handlebars quite as easily. So, you know, we're just, we're excited about that. As a business, you want to see more people riding, but you also want to see them having fun and being safe doing it.
0: I was wondering, is there anything you want to add about, you, you mentioned NICA before, is there anything you want to add about just the Ohio series and where it is now going into its third season?
2: We're excited because the NICA team in our area is is really gelling together and we're seeing a lot of growth in the the kids themselves. So that's exciting. The NICA series in Ohio is improving year after year. So it's getting more streamlined and efficient. They're solving some of the problems they've had. Um, not that there's been tons of problems or at least any major problems, but they've been adapting and um, it's been really good to see.
1: I think the, just the growth in Ohio, as far as NICA goes was, mm-hmm. you know, the environment they bring was just, it's high energy the whole day. And it's such a cool experience for the kids because everyone's just, you know, completely stoked on bikes and just all the staff and everything, you know, they bring that excitement, their high energy, which then filters over to the kids, which, you know, then they go back and they tell their friends and the, oh my goodness, you want to see what we can do. And that energy that they bring year after year has been amazing just for the growth of NICA. And then we've gone from, four races to now five, which the fifth has been, you know, what we've been able to add in Ashland and just great to just see it grow. We're getting some new courses this year. Um, so we've past two years, we've done the same courses. We have a couple repeats this year, but it's exciting just to get a couple of new courses for the kids. And then, Mm. you know, teams are growing and, you know, excitement in our kids is growing. So
2: I I think the thing that I'm, most thankful for with NICA is that they do bring a level of professionalism to youth mountain biking and it's not a a race with like adults there and oh yeah there's a kids race it's like this is only for kids and so you know any adults there are there to help the kids race they're not there to race themselves and so it's all about the kids and that's really cool. You know, there's also things with NICA that are are challenging because it is so professional and they have some rules. It takes a little bit of time to know what those are and, and be able to thrive in those. We had to really work with our team because we have some kids who are full enduro all the time. In fact, one of them just won a, an enduro race. Shout out to Will Benjamin. So he just won a local enduro race down at Chestnut Ridge. Yeah. Down at Chestnut Ridge this weekend. And he's, he's like the shreddiest dude I know. And he's in seventh grade. So he's on our Nike team. We had to work with him just to keep his tires on the ground at every race, <laughs> because that is one of the rules with NICA is that, you know, you have to watch what you're doing in terms of jumping. Um, they want to make sure the kids are safe. So they do try to limit the opportunities for jumping and um, they now have a rule that you're allowed to jump safely, so it's kind of vague. But yeah, you know, we we struggled with that the first few races because they wanted to get their wheels off the ground at every opportunity, which I don't blame them. Mountain biking's super fun.
1: They um, love to jump. Oh my goodness, these yeah. kids love to jump. And I think Will he could do a wheelie for like a mile. Yeah, yeah. And not even like, I'm like, teach me your ways. Lucas. Yeah, I <laughs> honestly
2: think he could wheelie <laughs> until he got tired. Like he would just like he could. He could wheelie indefinitely until he ran out of energy. So like he's super good at riding and, and not just him, but like there's other kids too. We actually have another rider who's also named William and he started working here in the bike shop this summer or spring rather Uh, started in the, in the winter here doing kind of help in the shop. And now he's starting to learn the art of bike mechanic and he's also really good. He actually beat me in the race this past weekend at Mohican by a good solid 15 minutes but <laughs> you notice
1: how he struggles to say that
2: <laughs> I'm I'm a recovering XC racer I'm not, <laughs> I'm not afraid to admit it
1: yeah and I think that's like it's super cool to be at like the point where your kids are beating you but then it's like as a coach it's challenging you because it's like I feel like we're at the point with some of these kids where it's like, okay, you need to coach me. How are you gonna make me faster? (laughs) Cause it's like, you're trying to like build these practice plans with what skills we're gonna work on but it's really like, oh, well, Mm -hmm. they have that down already. Like how, Mm -hmm. you know, we're kind of like switching roles with some of them because it's like, I mean, with Will doing wheelies or jumping and I'm like, can you teach me how to jump like you do? Cause Mm -hmm. I don't do that. I think I do that, but if you watch the videos back, like I maybe got an
2: inch of air. (laughs) I realized that last fall when I was trying to help one of the practices, we were doing like an interval type workout. And so I was supposed to lead Will, who's our bigger Will. He's a junior in high school. So he's the one that works here. I was leading him through like some workouts. And he actually told me like, hey, I actually can go faster so I had to get out of the way and let him go faster. So that was like the point where I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to just coach from, you know, the back of you now, you know, that was humbling and also exciting at the same time. Yeah. That's the
0: things I'm looking forward to when I start my kids team next year is trying to find yeah. fast, faster people who can actually keep up with the kids when they do get too fast. I think mean, that is important at some point,
2: but. Yeah, I might have to start using the e-bike at the Nike practices. <laughs> yep, there
1: so. you go. See another plug for e-bikes.
2: Yeah, we. <laughs> I want to say one thing about e-bikes. I, I was gonna say this earlier, but we kind of had interruptions. You know, one of the things that I struggled with with the e-bike world was, you know, trying to protect access to trails and advocate for for trail access. And after getting to know the world of e-bikes so thoroughly through the Hender shots through Ashley and Aaron you know I have found a lot of appreciation for them it's something that isn't really well accepted in the US yet and I think a lot of it stems from that fear of access and so that's something that you know I hope we can address as a you know as a community of mountain bikers to work together because I think if if we can improve Um, the numbers of people who are riding by making the sport more accessible and that's really what e-bikes do they make it more accessible for more people to do then i think that you're going to see improved access because you're going to have more people advocating advocating for those trails and for that riding environment so you know we see that here in ohio um, there's a pretty good division between uh, trails that allow e-bikes and trails that don't and the trails that don't are very adamant about that and you can actually get fined you can get a ticket if they catch you on the trail with your e-bike we have to really you know be careful we don't want to ride or or encourage people to ride at places that are not legal and they don't have access to those trails but at the end of the day, you know, what e-bikes bring to the table is is the same thing that what mountain bikes in general bring to the table, which is having fun, getting exercise in the woods or in the mountains or in nature or whatever it is. So if all things being equal, the, mountain, the e-mountain bikes aren't doing any damage to the trails, they aren't going excessively faster than a regular bike, you know, we really are trying to advocate for Hey, like, let's make this more accessible to you know for more people. So, I think it's cool. I think the technology is fascinating. It's crazy the the technology that's going into some of the bikes, not just e-bikes, but like regular bikes in general. I nerd out on that all the time. And I'm super into like the whole tech side of of the world of bikes. You know, seeing the developments with all kinds of bikes is really exciting. But yeah, just kind of speaking to that avocation of our advocacy e-bikes and I think it's important that people don't make decisions about them that have never even like thrown a leg over one because it is it is different than what I first thought when I saw them and I think people misunderstand what e-biking is in general
0: because I remember in 2019 I was helping build the the skills park at Allen Creek in Columbus and Mm -hmm. I went to a couple of combo meetings and that's when e-biking was ramp- was ramping up and many people were adamant against it on the trails, but it was really just a lack of knowledge. It wasn't just, it was a stance that was just because they didn't understand it. It wasn't actually understanding it and being against it, yeah. which is too bad.
2: If you, if you get on any social media, whenever, whenever a company releases a new e-bike, I guarantee in one of the comments you will see the word motorcycle used and they will also have a picture of some kind of wild electric dirt bike which is totally different than a regular e-bike e-mountain bike you know you're talking about you know really like an automobile in in a bicycle and they're two different things that's something that i think people really need to understand is and also i think from a bike shop perspective, one of the things we have had to do is we've had to crack down or or, or say no to customers who have e-bikes from wherever, some kind of internet site that is super sketchy because there's zero regulation with some of this stuff coming in. There is a lot of unknown with some of these brands. And so we see people from a bike shop perspective who are using these as tools for transportation. They are using them very hard because it's being used every day. It's sitting outside. They're, they're not pedaling. They're using the throttle full go the whole time and the bikes fall over and things break and all these things. But we've had to start saying, Hey, like, like we can't help you because, like these things are not safe and we can't work on them here. We can't even hang them in our work stands because there's nowhere for us to clamp onto. So, you know, that's that's an area where I think, you know, we're still very, very young in the world of e bikes here in the US and we need to develop some regulation into what comes into the market. I feel the same way when it comes to Walmart or department store bikes. There's a lot of bikes in that kind of environment that are not just not safe right out of the box. I mean, how many times have we like had someone come in with like a fairly new bike from a department store and they literally rode it one time and, and totally taco the wheel because you can like take the wheel and flex it with your hands because it's so poorly made and the materials are so poorly, you know, poor quality. So you know, i feel the same way about those kind of bikes that they need to come with like hey this is a toy not a bike you know it's it's a toy bike that's why they're in like the toy section of those stores yeah you know it's not the same kind of thing you know in a lot of ways it's kind of like picking up like the the plastic toy phone and like trying to make a call with that like it doesn't work yeah. um, so when you get the mountain bike that at the department store that looks like a mountain bike and then you go ride it on trails and then it's instantly broken it's the same thing it doesn't work
0: well last i checked those mountain bikes actually say on it Mm -hmm. intended only for like street riding or road riding or anything
2: not intended for off-road use and then the word on the bike is like mountain cycle or some other kind of like you know deceptive term and it's that from a From an industry perspective like we need to do better with that it's not i don't think it's the consumer's fault because they're being misled as to like hey this is a, a mountain bike or this is a this is a good bike because it's shiny and it has a nice paint job which actually isn't that nice if you leave them in the sun they fade i remember going to a department store one time and they had their bikes locked up out front like a big row of bikes and like every other one was faded from the sun just from sitting out side and it's just like something that for me is like i want to advocate for people to like make better choices with with that and again it kind of comes down to like even if you're not buying it from our shop like please don't go buy one of those it's not going to help you do what you want to do and it's not safe for your kids to ride if you rode that thing you wouldn't enjoy it so you know why are you going and buying that toy that's not really a bike because it's cheaper or you know, you don't want to invest in, you know, something that's actually going to help your kids spend time doing something positive.
0: Yeah. So, I, I remember in 2020, I had a lot of friends that reached out and they were like, Hey, what about this 500, $600 e-bike that they found online? And I, mm-hmm. cause I used to work at bike source in Columbus, which was a specialized yeah. dealer. And yep. I said, I honestly wouldn't buy an e-bike that was under a thousand dollars. I just wouldn't mm-hmm. maybe more, maybe, maybe 1500. I just wouldn't yep. because it seems like, when they're $500 they're easily cheaply made and you it's not hard to see that
2: yeah i mean if you think about even what it costs to have a good bike in general like just a decent quality bike it's like four to five hundred dollars for like a bare bones like basic decent quality bike like from even from like a a bargain bike shop brand that's not going to be like super nice like not a specialized not a giant not a intense just Something that's like bare bones is going to be four to $500. And now you're going to strap on like some kind of lithium battery and a motor to that and a controller and some kind of way to regulate the output of that. And you're going to charge $800 for that item. Like you're dealing with something that is legitimately made to fail. And, you know, I would say that number is probably closer to like fifteen hundred dollars if you had to if i had to be like nailed down on a number like fifteen hundred dollars is about the least you can spend on a decent e-bike that's going to be worth your investment if you're spending less than that you're going to basically be wasting your money in the long term because you're just going to throw that thing away within a a year or two it is going to be completely junk and you're not going to be able to get any of the replacements that you need because it's all weird stuff that is unregulated and made somewhere that you know they're just trying to sell it you know sell as many as you can and then you know hopefully if if half of them fail you still make some money because you sold so many
1: yeah i think these e-bike kits too see how you can take like a regular Mm. bike and then they put these kits on there is super scary because like an e-bike when they make it is intended for the amount of torque and speed and everything Mm -hmm. that you're going to encounter on that bike Mm -hmm. they make that bike specifically for that purpose and then you give them access to these kits Mm -hmm. to put on a bike that they already have that's not meant for the amount of torque or the speed or anything that's gonna i mean it's to me it's scary we've had a couple people ask about these kits and we just say we can't work on them because i'm just like oh my goodness like i always like just try to say just from the e-bike rider i'm like do you understand like what you're putting on your bike and that it wasn't made to do this mm-hmm. like you you understand that right like you're voiding yeah. all warranty that you could possibly have and like you're going to destroy your bike like yeah. that's just i think those kits to just i understand they're trying to you know just have the access mm-hmm. to that e-bike world but i'm like whoo super scary
2: <laughs> i would say there's very few of those aftermarket ones that are like decent enough uh, most of them have pretty short range but the ones that are pretty low power fairly lightweight front wheel based type systems i think those maybe have a place in the market with the right kind of design incorporated to them in general like again it kind of goes to that like it's the wild west in terms of like what's going out to market from some of the brands and we see that here on the front lines because we're we're dealing with those customers who have put money into these kits or these you know cheap e-bikes and then they're like crushed when it's like they've had it for 6 months and it's totally trashed or like it won't turn on anymore and they can't get a hold of the company, they can't find the part they need and it's just kind of heartbreaking for them and for us. We want again, we want to help those people. And we want to to provide them with some service and help them along their way. But like we can't because like you just can't get what you need for them. Um, or their company just doesn't exist. And you know, we had one customer who a few years ago, bought like a decent quality e-bike from a direct consumer direct company. Overall, pretty good quality. But within a year of her buying that bike, that company no longer existed. And so she had an issue with one of the parts and she couldn't get what she needed. And so she has a $1,500, 50 pound regular bike that is hard to pedal and doesn't have you know, the capability of the e-bike anymore. And that's the same situation that's happened over and over again. And so again, it goes back to what I said earlier about like, even if you're not buying it from us or you're not buying it, you know, buy it from a, a good brand that you know is going to be around like. You know, go to a, a, you know, specialized retailer and get a turbo or, you know, go, you know, if you get a giant, we sell those. But, you know, we we want to see you on a quality product, whether it's a Trek or giant or specialized or whatever it is, just making sure that, hey, like when you need this company to come through for you, are they going to be able to do that? Because it's not a matter of like if you need something for this, like you will need something Serviced on this bike at some point. And so, how are you going to ha- handle that? Kind of ranting about. No, that's fine. All, that's fine. I was in the bike industry right now. No, that's fine.
0: I, I did my first recording last week of finally at a bike shop, and we were just talking about bike shops. And you know what? It's going to happen. I worked at Bike stores for four years, so I totally get it. What is currently getting you stoked on bicycles?
1: I've been struggling with bikes. <laughs> if I've been completely honest. My race season has started a little rough it's just not going well at all and you know to start i've been struggling i've been like man maybe i should just quit just hang it up maybe this is you know just my time i'm beat up i mean i was on my favorite trail that i ride all the time on saturday and just you know had a real good wreck probably the hardest i've ever hit and i'm just like man i can't catch a break but You know, as I'm waiting for Tony to finish and, you know, I I did have to go to the ER. I'm fine um, just to make sure nothing was broken um, or anything. You know, I I see all my kids. You know, we had some of our NICA team there and some of our other younger kids in the program. And you see them cross the line and they all got podiums. And just their excitement, I think, is just like you know, rekindled that fire in me, like they're so excited about racing and bikes. And then William was in here and he put a 12 speed drivetrain on his bike. And, you know, that excitement and just that little part, you know, for him. And I think their excitement is just contagious and just working with those kids. And I think has really just got my, I've always stoked on bikes. Don't get me wrong, but my race season kind of just, you know, you, you start rough and you just kind of get down in the dumps a little bit and you know, I was struggling but then just to see their excitement, I think it's just got me stoked, you know, on bikes mm-hmm. and you know, being called coach Ash is just an amazing experience in general and it was funny cuz you know, I pulled in and one of my kids was standing there and he's like, "You didn't go through the finish line." Uh-oh, what happened? And like I'm holding my arm cuz it's hurting and I don't know what's wrong and and then, he's like running around like trying to get me an ice pack and do this and you know just it was just a funny just experience because we kind of flipped roles for a minute like he needed to take care of me and help me out for a minute and but I think yeah just in general those kids excitement for racing and on bikes it's just kind of helped me just get that stoke back yeah,
2: that's really good I like that Yeah,
1: follow up that one now
2: yeah mine's <laughs> much more selfish but for me I'm in the midst of You know the post-COVID bike industry world and it's stressful so for me right now i'm really stoked on bikes just getting some quiet getting some peace and going off and having some time alone with god and just like you know having that that quiet time um, has been super super helpful for me Um, i've been doing a lot of riding with some good podcasts you know trying to just like take that time to take care of my physical, mental, and spiritual health um, in the midst of a lot of stress and a lot of uncertainty as consumers are changing their buying habits and we're trying to figure out how to best meet the needs of everybody. Bikes have been the tool for me throughout my life to find that quiet time and find that peace. I have... ADD and it's something I, I didn't realize until my daughter was diagnosed with ADD and I realized how much I struggle with that. I didn't realize how much I was relying on the bike to help deal with the symptoms and the challenges of ADD. So for me, like bikes have been a key part of my you know mental health and I'm really stoked to continue to have that relationship with the bicycle and just super thankful that I'm able to ride it because, you know, it's something that, you know, we don't know like what, you know, time we have, or we don't know what, you know, tomorrow's going to bring. And, you know, my, tomorrow might be my last bike ride. You know, with that in mind, I want to just try to enjoy those moments and that, that time on the bike. that has brought me to some great friendships. I have a a sister I didn't know about, I I guess with Ashley here, but like that's what has gotten me through a lot of difficult times in life and a lot of challenges has been the bike. And I think that it will continue to be that way as long as I'm able to. And, you know, I'm just super stoked to share that with other people too.
1: We just got deep.
2: I did. Very deep. I hope He
1: went there.
2: Yeah. Did you put your boots on? It's getting deep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well,
0: oh, well, Ashley and Tony, thanks for joining me today. Any last words?
2: No. Oh, sorry about the the audio quality guys.
1: <laughs> we learned our lesson. <laughs>
2: uh I don't know, if we ever do this again, we'll make sure we do it after hours in a really quiet space for you, I promise. <laughs> As somebody who does dabble in the the world of editing, that's like one of my little hobbies on the side. I know that this is going to be fun challenge for you to edit <laughs> some of these noises out of here. So I'm so sorry going to be calling it, us. It'll and, be interesting. Uh, yes. Yeah. Funny story is last fall. Was it last fall? Two falls ago. In the previous, during <laughs> the fall, I was riding with Ashley and with our mechanic Quinn, who is no longer working here. He moved on to a new career, but we were riding at Mohican and we came around the corner around mile six and a half of the trail. And I like stopped dead in my tracks. And I'm like, stop! I'm yelling at Ashley to stop because she's ahead of us.
1: Yeah. And granted, this was to be a non stop full 26 mile Oh, yeah. We were doing lap. a
2: time lap for her. And then, to then he yells to me her.
1: to stop. I was like,
2: she wasn't very I happy. was aggravated. <laughs> but so the there was this light like coming through the trees and it was like majestic. It was such a cool moment. And so I pull out my iPhone and I just like take some a few pictures of it. Like I turn around and behind me Quinn is like taking a leak and, and behind the bikes. So like in the, in the front there's like this majestic scene with like Ashley in front of us and she puts her arms up in like a victory salute type thing. And the light's coming through the woods. And behind me, you know, Quinn's taking a leak. I send her this picture. She sends it in to the state parks. They have, like, a photo contest every year. So we actually won the photo contest with that picture. He won
1: the photo contest.
2: 3,000 entries we won. So uh, I now am the owner of a really cool kayak that, like, folds up. It's like a foldable kayak i won that in this photo contest and it was just like this cool moment mountain biking at mohican but yeah such a a like a a weird funny moment where we just like stop dead in our tracks and i think that's goes back to like part of the reason i love the sport so much is it's it takes you to these situations where you can see such a beautiful creation and You know that to me is why i do it i mean it's just like being out there and being part of that and having that that moment and it was just so funny the way that whole scene went down but yeah if you look on uh state parks there's a picture of ashley with her arms in a salute and the sun's coming through the trees yeah that was our photo we took while mountain biking with an iPhone. I think there was a lot of really good photographers that probably were mad that I won that with an iPhone. You know, it's just one of those where everything was perfect and the light was perfect and it was a beautiful day.
0: Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Stoked on Spokes podcast. If you enjoyed it, please like, subscribe, rate us, and tell your friends about it. Check out our Patreon page where you can get a lot more bonus content, all full unedited videos all after banter where things get crazy sometimes and early previews for the next episode. It's all available for only $3 a month and follow our Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on all the things we are working on until next time. Just keep rolling.